Neurobiologics proudly presents Season 2 of Coffee with Dr. Stewart. This show will provide our listeners with up-to-date medical information from a leading neurotologist and neuromean specialist. With Dr. Stewart's broad medical knowledge, we will discuss how he helps his patients with issues such as ADD, migraines, hormones, sleep, fatigue, methylation, autism, genetic mutations, and nutritional protocols. I am your host, Kara Stewart-Mullins, and I invite you to sit back, grab your favorite beverage or cup of coffee, and let's have Coffee with Dr. Stewart. All right, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Coffee with Dr. Stewart webinar series. This webinar series is designed to help practitioners and maybe some more educated consumers out there who are wanting to know more about Dr. Stewart's treatments, protocols, uh, all in line a lot with genetic uh, mutations, genetic testing. So today we're going to do an intermediate level webinar on methylation and MTHFR. Okay, I hope I can stay there. Okay. Hi, Dr. Stewart. How are you? Good, good. So just a little background on Dr. Stewart. As you know, he's a neurotologist, genetic specialist. Um, neuroimmune specialist. He has been treating methylation for years. He's basically a pioneer of this. Geek. And Geek. yeah, and he's also the, the lead formulator for neurobiologic <laughs> supplements here in Austin, Texas. So we've asked him from neurobiologics to come and give us his wisdom. He does a lot of workshops and lectures around the country, but um, I think a lot of people aren't able to make those nowadays. And so we're going to be launching this webinar series. So I just want to give a quick fact. And Dr. Stewart, a lot of this today is from the calls that we get from medical professionals who need Mm -hmm. assistance. And a lot of them are very consistent questions. So today we're going to talk about um, MTHFR genetic results and methylation SNPs um, that you like to pay attention to. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of information out there from so many websites, and it's very hard for someone to find out exactly what to do. A quick fact is they estimate that over half of the population may have an MTHFR mutation. Yeah, so um, first of I guess of all, let's start, what, what's, what is MTHFR? Well, first of all, let's, let's back up a little bit. Okay. So what's been happening is all this change in genetic um, accessibility and ease of uh, obtaining genetic information has kind of changed our whole world. Because what we were doing up until last year was really more theoretical biochemistry. We mm-hmm. would see a marker and we'd say, this is probably where it got interrupted based on our experience and our knowledge well genetics changed all that okay and so what's happened in kind of a nutshell is when we're dealing with syndromes of the immune system or nervous system we're finding out that there are probably three major requirements that are actually seen in the genetics as a general overview okay Uh, one of them is detoxification we are finding out that many people have faulty forms of detoxification and that has a lot to do with mthfr sure well, to a certain degree, yes. But even to the fact that you can't make glutathione, many people have been inherited a faulty form of glutathione. Okay. Uh, we're finding out methylation is the second piece, and the third piece is mitochondrial. So as an overview, we really want to understand that methylation is one of the big pieces. three pieces. Now, that doesn't mean that there's lot, lots of other ones that are important. But what it means is that when we got to start in a foundation, we want to think of methylation as kind of like the gas for our car. It is okay. the most important part of making sure the cell and the structures inside the cell function the way they're supposed to. Okay, okay? so that's why today we're going to focus on methylation. Right. Now, everybody loves to talk about MTHFR because it's been known since the late 90s mm-hmm. that MTHFR, that is the last enzyme in the chain of methylation, which means we take folic acid or folate into the cell, and then we have to go through a whole series, which uh, basically is about seven different enzymes, 
in order to make 5-methyl tetrahydrofolate. Okay. Okay. Is now, that L5-methyl tetrahydrofolate? Yes, it's all L because everything the body makes is L. Oh, okay. good to know. <laughs> Did not know that. Because it's Get functional. that question often. Yeah, leave a rotatory. Okay, and L means left-handed, R means right-handed. Okay. And that's all it means. And the body only uses left-handed molecules. Don't know why God did that. I'll have to ask him one day. Very interesting. Okay? <laughs> so basically, everything that's functional in the body is L. Okay. Now, what I will tell you is that we have to um, understand that we can have weaknesses in any of those enzymes. Mm-hmm. Now, the one that's been paid attention to the most is the one that's right before. is the very last enzyme in the cascade. And that's methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase. The MTHFR. MTHFR. Okay. okay. And that's the one that everybody's paid attention to. But what we've learned very um, quickly through genetics is you can have problems in all the levels. Mm-hmm. And sometimes even people who do not have an MTHFR can have a methylation problem. Yeah, that, I get that question often. Like, mm-hmm. what other SNPs may mimic? Oh, sure. Just because I don't have an MTHFR, and I've heard you talk about that. Can you talk a little bit it's about that? It's not about mimicking. It's just that there are seven steps in the pathway. Okay. okay. So we have dihydrofolate reductase. We have MTHFD1, MTHFD1L. We have MTHFS. We have MTHFR. So we have all these different enzymes that go through this pathway. So, and we also have FOLR one and twos. Okay, okay. that's so another two other SNPs. Those are other SNPs, and basically all of those just have this definite cascade of us converting folic acid all the way down to the active form, which is L5-methyl tetrahydrofolate. Now, MTHFR is a very critical enzyme because we've learned that there are two, possibly three major elements that are involved in its weakness. Okay. Okay, and these are called SNPs, single nucleotide polymorphisms. What that means is that they are essentially different and than the wild type or the type that is the most normal okay. of that function. Now is that when you're talking about homozygous versus heterozygous? No, no this Not is there just yet. Uh, this is just a SNP. This is a change. And then you can have either one copy of the SNP or you can have two copies of the SNP or you can have one copy of each. But basically in MTHFR we have the more severe form of de- deficit, which is the 677. The C677. C677T, which okay. means we replaced a C for a T. Okay. okay. And then we have the 1298AC. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then we also have an MTHFR3 that everybody's kind of questioning these days. Yeah, I don't know <clears> if a lot of doctors know about that. No, they don't know about it. And the answer is, frankly, we don't even know about it. Because re- once you actually learn about the SNPs, you, you basically have to kind of... Uh, Gain some clinical experience because it's really hard to tell how functional the enzyme truly is. Well, yeah, and that's what the show is about because you can read all the PhD literature out there and all the the white papers, and Mm -hmm. it's very difficult to decide. So all the doctors, it seems right now, I'm not going to say all, but a lot of them are choosing just to treat MTHFR. So that's where I want to get your guidance. Well, so that doesn't tell the whole story. Okay. But let's say that a patient comes in and that's all they have because there are a lot of labs out there that just chest... MTHFR. Correct. So let's say that you have a heterozygous, which is one copy of the 1298. Theoretically, we're taught that that would be about a 10% weakness in the conversion of methylene tetrahydrofolate to methyl tetrahydrofolate. So you're not too bad. No, it would look like that. But the problem is, is that's the last step and you could have 50% reduction up to that step. Okay. Do you understand? Two copies will give you somewhere around 20% versus one copy of a 677- some people will quote 40%. Uh, two copies of 677 could possibly be 70% reduction. Now, what do you mean, like, if there was something else that could give that 1298 single copy? Okay, so there's six more enzymes before MTHFR. 
Are those so if I have an FOLR1 mm-hmm. or 2, and then I have a dihydrofolate reductase, and then I have that. So you got to think about it. MTHFR is not the, the whole end all story. Be all. Well, so these, these labs out there that are just doing MTHFR, these doctors need to reach out and get more testing for these, for these patients. So in order for you to understand methylation, you really need to have all of the enzymes in the step. Okay. And so it's not the whole story. Okay. Because there are some people who show up with no MTHFR who have a significant methylation problem. Yeah, I had someone send me their Livewello report. It was actually a doctor, mm-hmm. and he goes, I don't have an MTHFR, but when I look mm-hmm. down, it is MTRR and it's FOLR. Okay, so the FOLR is take, transporting folic acid into the cell. Okay. So if you have an FOLR1, which transports folate, mm-hmm. and an FOLR2, which transports folic acid. If you have a mutation. If you have a mutation there, you are not even getting it into the cell to get processed. So that is a methylation issue. That is correct. Okay, what about the MTRR? MTRR is completely different. That's methionine reductase. That's in a different pathway. Okay, so that's another show. That's methylation <laughs> of a different type. Okay. okay, but not in the folic acid pathway. Okay, well then let's get to a little bit about <clears throat> what the doctors ask. Okay, with your clinical experience, what are the challenges for a professional helping someone with an MTHFR? Well, the challenges, the way I like to describe it to patients is basically if you don't have enough gas in your car, you're not going to you're not going to run very well. So the reason probably a patient's seeing them because they found out that they had an MTHFR, they don't feel well. Well, and usually they don't feel well because there's a reason. Now, get let me let me back up a little bit. You wouldn't be at the doctor if something didn't happen to you that changed the way you felt. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily that an MTHFR causes any problem with you, but if there's a big challenge to the body, and like environmental, environmental, stress. infectious, uh, surgery, vaccination, it doesn't matter what the stressor was. When you put an excessive amount of stress on the body, if you don't have enough resources in the methylfolate pathway, you Mm -hmm. cannot get back to normal because you just don't have enough resources. And that's a good way to describe it to patients because a lot of doctors are like, how do I just tell them what what it means? Well, the answer is, is that basically having it, you were born with it and you had it your whole life, but it doesn't mean that it was always an issue. Okay. Meaning that it was, you, if you had enough and your life was hunky dory and there was never any challenges, you'd probably do just fine. Okay. But unfortunately, our life is not like that. Now, do you find that the MTHFR like rears an ugly head later in life for people as stress gets more severe and issues come? Well, it tends to rear its head when there's a need for folic acid and at the cellular level. And so typically it becomes a big problem during childhood and teenage years. And then it gets for to be development. A bit, mm-hmm, and then it gets to be a bigger problem uh, in the elderly people because methylation need changes throughout your life, depending on what's going on. So pregnancy is a perfect example. for uh. OK, so if you have an MTHFR or a methylation problem in any of the enzymes, uh, you essentially cannot deliver adequate folic acid in many cases to the fetus. Yeah. So and that's can, very scary. Sure it is. And so that's it's why. a cause of, you know, uh, infertility. It's a cause of, you know, um, termination of pregnancies for whatever reason. Neural tube effects. Well, it can be neural tube defects if you even get there. Yeah. Uh, most women with bad methylation problems just have multiple miscarriages, a lot of them. Very interesting. And, you know, that's another thing, too, is like our products, a lot of pregnant women, we don't, ad- we ask them to advise with their professional to use mm-hmm. our, you know, our sublingual or our cream when well, it has luckily, the methylfolate. Well, luckily, the American Academy of Obstetrics came out last year and is starting to recognize they that sure methylation did. is a big deal. And so the whole idea is that you just want to be aware that, well, everybody should know how they're built. 
Yeah. And in fact, now that it's possible, we are learning that how you're built defines everything about you. Ah, very interesting. You always say it's like looking into a person's soul when you get your, their genetic testing. Well, sure it is. And so if you can't provide enough of the the folic acid gasoline, for, for lack of a better term, you mm-hmm. can run into fatigue, you run into immune dysfunction where your memory cells don't issues. work well, your memory doesn't work well, you don't make dopamine, you don't make serotonin well. Lots of things go on to make you feel the way you do. Yeah. But always remember that in... Um, neurological and immunological disorders the genetics don't doom you okay okay yeah you're not necessarily going to be sick no because you've had it your whole thing what it means is if you get into a big enough trial and tribulation okay and you get thrown down a hole if you're not methylation is not strong enough you're going to have trouble getting how do you get out Mm -hmm. okay well then that leads me to my next so this is a very common question we get so i call this methylation step one this Mm -hmm. is when a professional will recommend our methylation complete sublingual, mm-hmm. the fast dissolves, or the neuramine stabilizer methylation cream. So, so you decide to put the patient on the methylation complete or the cream, and you, and you that you created mm-hmm. for our line. What should you expect? Are there some people that will notice a difference right away based upon their severity, or are there some people it just may take a, a while because they're not as severe? Sure, I so mean the answer it, is yes. So it depends on the severity of, of lack of. Uh, availability for that patient meaning naturally so what i will tell you is obviously the patient with a more severe problem will actually notice more initially like a double c six sometimes that can be negative in the fact that um, i'll tell a lot of people that if you have a substantial methylation problem and we start putting methylation support in you it may wake up your immune cells and all of a sudden they'll say oh my gosh i have not cleaned my house in a long time and they can start cleaning their house and which means they'll attack viruses they'll attack anything that doesn't belong in the body and is that what a lot of people correlate like a oh i'm over methylating or things like that i can't that word is very confusing to me yeah over methylation really has to do with uh, basically the neurotransmitters themselves and not necessarily too much. Not too much related to the methylfolate pathway. Okay, I wish they would change, make that a different word. You need to come up with something yeah. instead of the word overmethylation, because I think people tend to think that that's putting too much in, and it's not the well, correct way it. of thinking. Um, you're confusing all forms of methylation. Methylation is used in about 250 biochemical okay. reactions. We're talking about the methylfolate pathway here. Okay which is basically involved in neurotransmitter production, but not breakdown, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It gets really confusing. If you're not a chemist and you're not a geek, um, it can really get confusing. But basically, what I'm going to tell you is what I tell my patients is, you know, does any car in the parking lot run without gasoline? And the answer is no. And if it's got very little, does it run very far and very good? And the answer is no. Okay. Okay. So basically methylation is the first step of ensuring that we have a cellular status that's ready to heal or uh, accommodate or recover from whatever challenge it's been there. Yeah. And back to like, you know, when you start somebody on a methylation support product, you've talked about, you know, if you've never drank coffee before and you go mm-hmm. down and drink a large Starbucks coffee, what happens? Sure. So that is something that we get. Oh, my gosh, my patient had a bad reaction. That means it's just working. Right. And the bad reaction is usually rashes and things like that that's the immune cells waking up and actually starting to do their job appropriately so what do you recommend for that they recommend to their patients to back off a little bit yeah. and maybe do one pump a day or one slow is always day? The, slow is always the way to go yeah i like that you always go slow because you want the body to adjust listen you're not correctly. gonna you're not gonna walk into a gym and get in shape in a week or two ah you have I to go you could. well so uh, <laughs> you'd see me uh, posing for 
<laughs> abs and <laughs> yeah. Mr. Universe, Dr. Stewart. Yeah. No, the whole idea is that um, I tell patients that this is basically just like working out. You just don't want to go in there and make yourself so sore the oh, first yeah. time you go. That's a good analogy. That you, can't, that you can't walk in the next day and do it. So we just take ourselves and we go slow and methodical. And we always have to have enough for whatever the deficit is. So okay. we, now there's all kinds of other genetics involved in this process. So, you know, you've got to have some experience. You've okay. got to have some, you're going to have some mistakes in some people, meaning that you're, you're going to have some patients that do great and just, you know, take off on you and other patients who are going to struggle more because there's a lot more going on. Yeah. Well, that leads me to the next question. So the methylfolate plus that you created to go uh, partner with those other products, mm-hmm. you know, I consider that kind of step two or an ad- ad- adjunct because those are the people that have more severe. So who are the people that need the methylfolate and when do you know when to add that in? Well, typically what I'll do is if I can see the genetics, I typically, once you get below, below 50% production of methylfolate, mm-hmm. uh, Maybe 40%. I mean, maybe 40% weakness in production of methylfolate. You're going to need additional. Now, do you put them on a methylation support product first for a couple of weeks and then sure. add in the methylfolate? I always do that. And so, you, you know, don't want to shock the body, basically. If you do see somebody with just a single 1298 and that's all you have, you may just start with the lotion and see how they do. Okay. Now, you've always got to make sure that they understand what the heck methylation and methylfolate and methyl B12 do so that they can tell them what to expect. Okay. And sometimes you'll see patients, when you put them on methylation support, they may get a little more emotional because the brain sometimes will want to play catch-up. Okay. Um, basically, once you finally feed the mitochondria what they need from a methylfolate standpoint, and you feed the cell, and all of a sudden they can make serotonin and dopamine, sometimes the brain ah. says, guess what? I'm just going to make I'm a lot of I'm not a walking that. zombie anymore, right? <laughs> and so you can get a little emotional. Kids in particular can do that. And, you know, overall, you can expect some rashes and things. And if you just explain that to people, they pretty much understand. Okay. Because it is vitamins. That's what we're putting in. Nutrients. Well, we're bypassing a weakness in vitamin delivery. Because we don't have to, we don't have to uh, deliver it in our, make the conversion. We just can't do it. So we have to bypass it. Okay. And so then the methylfolate will come in for those that have more extreme SNPs or MTHFR. So, you know, a good rule of thumb is if you have a 677, at least one copy, or if you have a compound or two copies of a 677, or even multiple weaknesses in the other enzymes, you probably are going to need methylfolate. Okay. It also depends on age. And it also has to be used with a methylation support product in step one, like the cream or the sublingual. God makes recipes. Okay. So, so methylfolate. Methyl B12, methylfolate. P5P in most people, and that's the secret recipe. Those are the secret recipes because that's how it works. Okay, so we have this question often from a patient standpoint. Uh, standpoint, there's so many markers, but MTHFR is always a starting point. Where else can you begin if you don't have the genetic testing? Well, you can go by symptoms. Okay. Yeah, dopamine uh, is the easiest one to, to judge. So dopamine deficiency causes short-term memory, concentration, focus, organizational skill problems, eye tracking, eye movement, eye focusing. So dyslexia, dysgraphia, ADD, ADHD, ADD type of symptoms, um, poor sleep patterns, mood instability. Um, That's a lot. Pain threshold, seizure threshold, hormone regulation, bowel motility. So people who have a lot of constipation and a lot of things a lot of times don't have enough dopamine. Yeah, I notice a lot of people because, you know, our full focus stimulates dopamine or helps turn it over. A lot of people say that their mm-hmm. constipation went away after they started that product, Cold along with their focus improvement. Mm-hmm. Sure. 
So I know it's amazing so, how you make all this stuff and then it, it does other things. So the chemistry has really added everything to us. We knew it was there. Um, just finally being able to see it has just changed because the, the biggest problem is people talk to each other and moms certainly talk to each other about their kids, but you got to understand every kid's different. Yeah. And so what went wrong for one kid does not mean it's going to go wrong for yours. Yeah. The one thing that I'd love to get is emails that say, oh, my God, my son just went on, you know, your methylation complete Mm -hmm. and they are a different child. And the teachers are going, what did you do? Well, and hopefully that stays. So here's the deal you really got to understand about that. So basically, God has this concept in the cell called epigenetics. So basically, of these 250 biochemical reactions that we do, if we don't have enough, we actually can shut off the non-essential ones. Because they've been hibernated for so long? And basically go into a hibernation state where we're only using what's necessary. What we can. So when you put in a little bit at first, it works really great. Mm-hmm. Okay, kind of like your first cup of coffee. Yep. Okay? But what will happen is the cell then will start to turn on other functions, and you may be deficient again. So we have to kind of... Okay. overcome that and we can see that diagnostically when we check diagnostics we can see that initially people respond great and then as we use it for a while all of a sudden and so do not. they have to use more or, what, or is that when have, you add in the methylfolate yeah in the methylfolate and you basically kind of ramp yourself up so you got to transition that and that can take six months yeah I have heard, you know, it was like a light switch that went on when they started using the methylation product. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of weeks later, they were kind of know. in a, an mm-hmm. issue again. So that, so makes that means total you just sense. have to you have to add more and kind of keep up with the need because you want to have plenty for all the cellular functions. I think that's so key for physicians and practitioners mm-hmm. to hear. So let's get into glutathione. You mm-hmm. are a big proponent of glutathione sure. because it methylation again is. So methylation is involved <laughs> in the methionine pathway which goes through homocysteine and then down to cystathione and on down to glutathione. So basically our whole concept before late last year um, was that we would try to enhance the glutathione production, and that's still fine by adding NAC and other types of things. But what we're learning from the genetics is that there is a large amount of people who have a faulty form of glutathione. Okay, and what does that mean, faulty form? It just doesn't bind very well to the chemical toxins, and it doesn't work So you're not excreting Correct, and that's called a GSTP1 or 3 or GSTM1 or 3. SNP? SNP. Okay. And basically it means that your glutathione, no matter how much you work, you know, how much you make, doesn't work as well as it should. So in that situation, you have to use exogenous glutathione that functions better. Is that when you use a lot of the suppositories that are like 500 milligrams? Yeah, 600 milligrams. We'll use suppositories, transdermal lotions, uh, oral preparations, and even IV preparations. So we just made our glutathione plus topical stronger. Mm -hmm. We went up to 55 milligrams Mm -hmm. per pump. Is that efficient, like twice a day? It's great for the skin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean for the skin? Um. Well, glutathione, it's a very popular product with physicians. So. It's fantastic. I mean, there's, don't don't get me wrong, but glutathione is used in four major areas in the body. It's used in the gut, it's used in the skin, it's used in the lungs, and it's used in the sinuses because those are where we're going to get a lot of a lot of um, exposure. Okay. And we want to control inflammation in those areas. And so, obviously, when we, depending on where you are, I mean, the transdermal lotion is great. Because it will get into the bloodstream. Oh, yeah. It'll get there. But the whole idea is when you get into more severe problems, a lot of times you have to go to the suppository. Okay. So, it's just different strengths. And then some people do the suppositories, and then they back off and do the topical cream. I've noticed that a lot. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Okay. All right. So, this is a question we get a lot. On your genetic key that you created for practitioners, um, we have a new one that's going to be coming out sometime in January. But you have some heterozygous mutations, 
where you say not to worry about Correct. and only worry about when they're homozygous. But then you have some where worry about it when they're heterozygous. Mm-hmm. So what? tell us a little bit about that. Like, you just got to know the SNPs. <laughs> I know, but I mean, I, is that from clinical experience, research? I guess a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. Because, I mean, yeah. you do an extensive panel. Yeah, I review about 350 genes every time I look at a, at a report. Yeah. And we really found out about, oh, 30 to 40 that are really significant for us. But what I tell patients is don't think that all of these are important. What's happened is all these researchers have put in all their findings, Mm -hmm. and they find a new SNP, and they all hope that it's really important. And they specialize in it. Sure, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it causes a functional change. Well, the calls that we get is, oh, my God, I just got my genetic report from Livewello or Genetic Genie or something Mm -hmm. like that. And they're like, I'm going to have a stroke, or I'm going to have this, and... You know, trying to tell them that this is not, you don't have to worry about every single one. No. What would be a good explanation for practitioners to tell their patients? I'll be educated. Be educated. <laughs> but like, you know, I know that we're going to we're gonna share those, those 35, 40 SNPs that you like, that sure. you know are pertinent. Yeah, the but. answer is you just got to know. I mean, it's just studying your biochemistry and knowing. I wish it could be simpler than that. Yeah. But, you know, really what you're going to focus on, you'll see methylation is a big problem. You're going to find out mitochondrial SNPs are a really big deal. Um, and obviously detoxification and then a lot of uh, immunoglobulin, GI, uh, histamine control agents okay. are really important. So the whole idea is you really just have to be educated on it. Okay. So, I mean, usually I just tell them, just follow the key because those are the ones that Dr. Stewart pays attention to out of many, many years of clinical expertise. Correct. Okay. So, well, with that, Dr. Stewart, I appreciate your time. Um, this was very basic, I know, but mm-hmm. I think it'll help a lot of the practitioners out sure. there. So, everybody, we welcome you on the next Coffee with Dr. Stewart webinar series. And I am Kara Stewart Mullins, and we thank you and have a blessed day. This show is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. Dr. Stewart serves as the Chief Science Officer and Lead Formulator for Neurobiologics and advises you to consult with your own medical professional on any information given during this programming. This information is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease or medical condition. 